So I'd like to start with talking about the principles of yin and yang. The world that we live in functions based on the principles of yin and yang. So in winter, yin energy is strongest. And in the summer, yang energy prevails. And within yang, there is always yin. And within yin, there's always the yang. So when yin hits an extreme, it returns to yang and vice versa. And when it's night, yin energy is strong. And during the day, yang energy is strongest. So our body also follows the same principle. We have both action and rest. Within rest, there's action. And within action, there is rest. So when we over exert ourselves, we start receiving signs from our body to just rest. And when we are lethargic for a long time, our body tells us to get up and start moving. What's most important when understanding this principle is that when we hit an extreme, there's nowhere to go but in the opposite direction. So to maintain good health, it's essential that we bring balance into our life. Another way to say this is we should be cautious of going to the extreme and really practice maintaining moderation. So you may have learned from experience that when we're too active, we get sick. If we're too non-active, we experience suffering. So without moderation, there is sickness, suffering, and sometimes even death. When I was young, my family and I would often visit Korea to train under the third head Dharma master of one Buddhism, Master Tezan. And of course, I had no intention of training. It was for my parents and I would just follow along. And the retreat centers were usually in the rural areas. So I would think, find things to do with rocks or other objects nearby. And since everything was in Korean, I couldn't understand what the teachers were saying. So I would just observe. I don't remember any of the Dharma talks, but one thing that stays in my memory is how we spent the day. So our daily schedule, and it would be a mix of action and rest. So in the early morning, there would be seated meditation, chanting and prayer. Uh, followed by sun yoga and then cleaning. And then throughout the day, there would be Dharma talks. And we, were, we would also go on long walks around the retreat center. And then there was always um, public work. So this is when all the retreatants, we get together and we do some kind of project. So one task was creating this wall from nearby rocks. And of course I thought, well, I'm an elementary school student. I can get away with this, you know, they're too heavy. But of course, a Kyomunim came to me and said, well, Sangjin, there are small rocks. And I realized I couldn't get out of it. So I learned early on that one Buddhist training is not about sitting on the cushion for hours from morning until night. Um, training is a mix of sitting, working, listening to Dharma talks, engaging in discussions, and then quieting the mind again. It wasn't constant moving, nor was it constant rest. But then you could ask, well, it's a retreat. Is, aren't you there to cultivate the mind? Yes. But what we were being taught was that the mind is at the root, 
intertwined with the body and our body is sacred, not just something to transport our head. It contains all the natural elements and is the vehicle to help develop ourselves and serve others. Master Sutta-san once said, I beseech you all not to fall into the error of harming your body by recognizing the uselessness of the ascetic practices I performed before I found the road. So Sutta-san is emphasizing the significance of moderation and balance. But why is it difficult to truly rest? Resting is an important practice, but we have to learn the art of resting. We should give ourselves permission to rest our body and mind. And the problem is that not many of us know how to allow our body and mind to rest. We are constantly moving and struggling, which has become a kind of habit. So what I hear from those around me is that life has become more imbalanced, that it has shifted to more action, both physically and mentally. So I co-lead a meditation group at UPenn. And when we ask students, you know, what's your big struggle these days? The answer is similar. Too much thinking. One student said, I can't stop the thinking. It's energy draining. I'm exhausted. And another student said, if I'm not working or doing something, I feel unproductive, lazy, and guilty. I'm always comparing myself to other students. And when I hear this, I get it. I, I truly do. I grew up with immigrant parents who worked and worked. They were on constant survival mode. And that I think that work ethic passed down to my sister and myself. Not working led to the inability to succeed. So when my sister and I get together, we often ask each other, are we workaholics? When I recently went to go visit my mom, um, she said, you know, for me, the pandemic was grace arising from harm. And I asked, what do you mean? And she said, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I think I would have worked myself to sickness the pandemic forced me to stop and rest. And she told me that for years, she wasn't even aware of how exhausted she was. It would take a severe illness to force her into that realization. So I asked her, why didn't you rest? And she replied, I don't know how, and I never learned. And that's exactly how I feel. I sometimes need someone to tell me, Grace, you know what, it's okay to take a break. You deserve it. And sometimes it's my body that has to tell me that. And when I get, when I got my first cold sore, I absolutely hated it. It was like all this resentment. It totally annoyed me because um, for those of you who know what a cold sore is like, it starts with this tingling sensation and then it, this thing forms. Um, and then you just have to go through this lengthy process of applying ointment and wait for it to just go away, which could take weeks. But later on, I actually saw it as a blessing because whenever a cold sore formed, it was a sign that I was tired. I wouldn't even know that I was tired, but it was my physical body that would have to tell me that. So, so much of my habit has been there for a long time. 
um, perhaps transmitted to me from my ancestors, from my parents. And what I'm learning is that I have to wake up to the presence of that habit energy in me and do the reverse. So what do we need to rest? What I needed to rest wasn't just my physical body, but the busy thinking mind. So Master Sutisan warned us against this. He said, many times we are idly thinking about things that are not our concern. We're idly trying to hear and see things that are not our concern or meddling in things that are not our concern and thinking of one thing while doing another. And so we're unable to bring an end to endless deluded thoughts. So in the teaching of Vimala Kirti, it says a bodhisattva's mind is settled even in a noisy place. A non-Buddhist mind is disturbed even in a quiet place. So you could be on vacation, but not rest at all. Because resting is a practice too. Knowing when to rest is a deep practice. And rest is not the same as sleep. Some people think, okay, I've gotten enough sleep, so I should be well rested, but we are missing out on other types of rest we need. So people become chronically tired, they become high achievers. The rest that I'm talking about in this context should make you feel restored. Rest as a practice means mental rest, turning off the conversations from the day, rest from sensory overload, the bright computer screens, the background noise, social media. We need a break from this overstimulating world. Sometimes we need emotional rest, cut back on people pleasing, learning when to say no and when to be authentic and say, you know, I'm not okay today. And being truthful to how we're feeling in the moment. So how can we rest? To practice deep rest, we don't need to quit our job, thank goodness, or go on vacation necessarily, or find a secluded place in the countryside. So Tisan encouraged us to incorporate rest into our daily regimen, which requires intention. So our day should be a balance of both action and rest. And there's a reason why in one Buddhism, we say Buddha Dharma is daily life and daily life is Buddha Dharma. So we don't separate our practice from our life. And who's the best teacher of this? Definitely Mother Nature. Following the flow and schedule of Mother Nature. So the early morning is when things are just waking up. It's a very quiet time. This could be a time for us to renew ourselves in silent seated meditation, a practice at rest. Master Tessan offered some instructions on how to allow our body and mind to rest. And one of his instructions was focus on breathing, just breathing where you are. Just allowing ourselves to enjoy every breath we take in and out. So breathing in and becoming aware of the fact that we're alive, sitting here in the presence of our Dharma family, 
And we eat with each breath, just reminding ourselves that we're here. And when we are truly here, then each breath is nourishing, each breath is healing. And with awareness of each breath, we are not ruminating on the past or worrying about the future. We are living deeply in the present moment. And with each out breath, just relaxing the body. So sometimes taking deep breaths in the chest or at the tangent, the lower abdomen. Sometimes breathing in and exhaling from the top of the head down to the tip of the toes. So allowing the breath to just help us stay focused and centered. Thich Nhat Hanh would say, please train yourself to make the present moment, the here and the now into your true home. That's the only home that we have. That's the only place where we can touch life. Everything we're looking for must be found in the here and now. So the purpose of morning meditation is to prepare us for the day ahead. And when we start engaging in various activities and coming into contact with people or our pets, all kinds of objects, when we are more mindful and aware, we can start to gauge whether we need that physical, mental, or emotional rest. Perhaps if I just completed a string of errands and had to drive to several places, one after the other, and I'm exhausted, this may call for a quick power nap or maybe uh, you know, a restorative activity like yoga. We start to understand what is, what is depleting us of energy and what can restore us. Sometimes this means just closing our sense organs, closing our eyes, closing our mouth, just staying quiet. When we are mindful, we can encounter sensory conditions with more compassion to ourselves and others. If we've had a difficult encounter with a colleague, we grow the ability to just pause and slow down. Turn off the conversations filling our head. Go for a walk. Give ourselves a mental rest. And this doesn't mean brushing the situation under the rug but identifying what is in my control right now, what is not. If something is not within my control right now, then letting it go. If something is in my control, well, how can I make it right? But let me do my best not to ride the train of unnecessary thinking. So recently I hopped on that train of unnecessary thinking my sister called all worried about her dog who I absolutely adore. And she had sent the dog to get neutered and kept worrying about whether the dog was okay or not. And then she passed that worry on to me. So before I knew it, I was thinking about Poe, which is the name of the dog. And just coming up with these scenarios, the worst case scenarios, hasn't happened yet, but it's filling my head. What if this happens to him? What if that happens to him? And finally, I had to say, stop. This is out of my control. Poe is in the doctor's hands right now. Trust, let go, 
stop thinking about the worst case scenarios. Because I could see that the thinking was leading to mental exhaustion. And there are many times in our life when we need that emotional rest, just put a stop to trying to please others at, at the sacrifice of my own well-being. It means learning to say no when it's appropriate, or it may mean saying I'm not okay. And this means understanding the situation and how it affects you and others. So in the One Buddha's teachings, it says the grace of fellow beings is knowing how to benefit oneself and others. And I'm learning this now. Before I would be fearful of hurting others' feelings, but now I'm learning my limits, my healthy boundaries. So during the day, we are finding ways to incorporate physical, mental, and emotional rest. And another way of saying this is doing things in moderation. And this is possible with awareness. Master Tizan emphasizes the importance of speaking, eating, exercising, thinking in moderation. And this is a true Buddha offering to ourselves. If you go to the extreme, you may hurt yourself and others. So again, following the flow of mother nature in the evening, things start to subside, grow quiet and still. And we follow this natural cycle. The evening is a wonderful time to just quiet the mind again. We can use this time to cultivate the mind either during the time that's left before going to sleep or after completing any you know, household affairs after summer. It can be a time to recite the Buddha's name or do some chanting and seated meditation. And these practices help to focus the mind that is distracted among many things into a single thought. So the practice of journaling um, helps us to reflect on our day. It's a powerful way to help us let go and prepare for the day ahead. So if there was something I did wrong or something I did that harmed others, how can I do better? And then let go of any guilt I may feel or regrets. And if, if I did something good, let me make an intention to continue. And then again, let go. So as Mother Nature teaches us, tomorrow is another day to try again. Every evening gives us a chance to forgive ourselves, others, and try again. My teacher would, would say, you know, use your evening time wisely. Turn off the digital devices. Turn off the distractions and go inwards. Your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind have been working hard all day. Allow your body and mind to rest. Clear the mind because your last thought at night becomes your first thought in the morning. To take care of yourself is to take care of the whole community because we are connected. When we take care of ourselves first, then we learn how to take care of others. Because taking care of ourselves requires deep listening. What do I need? 
What does my body need? And when we develop the skill, then we can listen deeply to the need of others. We then understand why they feel the need to say no. We begin to respect their boundaries. Don't just take my word for it. Look to nature as your true teacher. She teaches and shows us the natural flow of life. So take a moment, pay attention to the rhythm of your body and mind because it benefits all and use the practice as a way to give your body a rest because a balanced, relaxed body supports an equal mind. Thank you.